This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Happy Valentine's Day. It's time for your Nooner with Dooner. And let's share this out on social. Just popped up right now on X. Get this out to all of you. Get anything sweet for your honey? Did your honey give you anything sweet last night? This morning? Got my kids some stuff. I got my wife some... Um, Hold on a second. I'm just trying to retweet this thing here. I got my wife some uh, Apple Vision... Uh, Apple Vision... Sorry. We're talking about the Apple Vision Pro. We're getting my wife some Apple Maxes, uh, Apple Pro Maxes today, some pink ones. They look great on her head. Uh, I got some sour candy. My, my gift to you, honey, was a little bit better. I'm just kidding. It covered like birthday and Christmas as well. Uh, by the way, I asked truck drivers out there, have you ever found love at a truck stop? Big poll. Only 18.8% of you have found love. At a truck stop, not the easiest place to date at 81% of you found nothing. Robin Big said the boyfriend was headed to Denver and I was going back to Kansas City. So we both stopped at the FJ in Lehman to test the suspension of his new Kenworth. Ooh, wow. Sultry. Mr. Grinch says, I found $20 before. I love that. Not a cat says, I plead the fifth. Mitchell Mankiewicz says, never found love anywhere. Desiree said, maybe if they had some better looking drivers on the road, it could be a uh, it could be a possibility. But in 15 years, I haven't seen one single individual that piqued my interest in any minor way. Shots fired by Desiree. Nathan Lewis says, can't even find a decent dinner at a truck stop these days, let alone a date. Canadian Heavy Hall says, I haven't, but I know a few people that have. One uh, was my aunt and another was a driver friend of mine. Hey, congratulations for you two. Easy Money says, I used to stop at a small truck stop every day while on a dedicated account to scale my load and fuel the daily trip. Found out the girl that ran the fuel desk was single. Started chasing her. 20 plus years later, we are still together. Wow, you two crazy kids. Congratulations. By the way, this holiday, according to the National Retail Federation, might be inflation going on here, might be more generosity, but this is going to be the most expensive Valentine's Day on record. Each one of you is going to spend $185.81 per person. How much did you spend this year? I actually think I spent a little bit more than that. I think I did. By the way, real quick, I'm not covering this story today, but Ryan Peterson just put out yesterday the Houthis attacked their first vessel in six days, saying it had been linked to the U.S. and Israel. Turns out it was a grain ship going from Brazil to Iran. Uh, we'll probably get more into that on Friday, what's going on over in the Red Sea, but check that out. I'm sure there's coverage on FreightWaves.com. Let's get into today's episode, though. On episode 682 of What the Truck, I'm joined by Gateco founder and CEO Adrian Garcia. Gade Garcia recently purchased a pair of Apple Vision Pros, and he's here to tell us how you can apply that to supply chain. We'll also learn how GateGo is eliminating manual data and making your yard more efficient. We got the Zoom co-founder. We got Mustafa Azizi. He predicts that 2024 will be a comeback year for the freight market. We'll find out what he's seeing out there, what he's doing in Miami, what's going on at the conference, how excited he is about the Chiefs. Maybe we can learn something from them. We got Metaphor's Chief Growth Officer, Ryan Schreiber. I made that picture of him, by the way, with the beard. That was with my own finger in uh, Apple Paint. He's sharing the importance of freight mix, what we can learn from RxO and the buzz around AI. And we have Norton Transport VP, Justin Scott. He talks about his company hitting $100 million in revenue milestone and their announcement of a major expansion in San Antonio. We'll find out how they are winning. Tons to go on. Mustafa's waiting in the green room. Let's tip the band and we'll bring him up. I want to take a second to put these guys in your radar. Dynamic Logistics, because I got to say, they're doing logistics the right way. Their TMS software is saving shippers a significant amount of time and money. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an X. Now it's Freight's Love Machine, Mustafa at Zoom in the city of love, Miami. What is up, Mustafa? I didn't know Miami was the city of love. Can you hear me okay? You sound amazing. Your voice is always uh, is always as buttery as always. Angelic? And of, of course. It's, it's like the, the angels singing. By the way, how has your Valentine's Day been so far? I believe you brought your significant other, perhaps, with you out to Miami. 
Absolutely. Uh, we're just right now in Miami. We've been here since Wednesday uh, for the STIFO conference. And then we're taking off to Key West. Um, Going to have some Cuban coffee and spend the night there tonight. And then we're uh, heading out to Orlando to see um, Andrea Bocelli. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this week's special because it's her birthday and it's Valentine's. And then, you know, a question might get asked this week. Wait a second. Wait a second. Does she know this? She might not be a viewer. I don't know if everybody knows this, but when you ask people's sister to help pick out a certain something, they usually go and tell back their sister. So they kind of know. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, I got to give man. a little cowbell for what may be happening. Although if it's anything like when I asked my wife, we, we kind of like, she knew the question was coming. This had kind of been discussed. A little bit. You're an amazing exactly. gift giver. I, I would marry you. Look at what he sent me. Look at these sneakers right here. My own custom What the Truck Nikes, man. Those things are beautiful. Thank you so much. I can finally thank you voice to voice. Yeah, I just uh, sent a pair of those to uh, my boys at Reliance uh, Insurance. Shout out to them. So if you see them, you might see their colors. And this is my trend. You know, I just want to bless people with their own branding because I, I believe in what they're doing. Well, I feel very blessed. You blessed us with those sound bowls last time you're on. Now bless us with what you're hearing on the scene, man. You're a man of the people. You've been out to a few events. You're in Miami right now at Stiefel. What are people talking about? What's the buzz on the scene in the first quarter of 2024 out at the conferences? Okay, everybody's kind of focusing on the systemic conservative marketplace and capital market contraction. Um, the 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 mob is out against the technology companies a little bit because um, the traditional guys that their egos were hurt that people built like billion dollar brokerages in a year and it took them 20 years. They're coming out with their pitchforks and like talking a lot of smack about the digital brokers. Ooh. But um, I'm I'm a, a big believer that those guys brought a lot of keep in mind, I'm I'm a. I own a digital brokerage with my co-founder and also run a software company on the side of that, but also came from a conservative company like JB Hunt. So I'm kind of in the middle and I believe that those guys actually brought an attention to our industry that was much needed. And I don't believe that we're at the top of investments when it comes to um, digital innovation or industry. I just believe we need to pivot and focus more towards profitability. And some of the topics um, at the Stiefel conference were like, hey, is AI really viable? And um, basically the consensus is that yes, it is viable, and but it shouldn't be number one built by logistics companies. It should be built by outsiders for logistics companies because it's a big distraction to the business. Number two, if you took all the logistics companies that were super antiquated on EDI and old platforms and just put them on API. That would bring a lot more, um, a lot more to our economy or efficiency to our industry than everybody using AI. So it's like step one, then step two and step three. Um, and I, I do want to segue into the chiefs, but I do believe that is going to make a rebound in the next 24 months. It just won't be uh, pre-election. Um, I don't know if you saw my post, but uh, in 58 Super Bowls, there's been seven double-digit comebacks, mm. and three of them were from Patrick Mahomes. So the digital assets that are coming in our industry are the Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, the hardest thing to do is, like, that second championship in a row because if you saw Andy Reid, Mahomes, everyone gets asked immediately. You can't even enjoy it. Are you going to go off in three-peat? Are they, are they going to go off in three-peat? I mean, yeah, because the NFL is scripted, bro. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, you believe that? Well, good thing you're on the right side of the script then. I'm being sarcastic. Oh. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, chief haters in the, in the game. Um, you can doubt the Chiefs. You can talk smack about the Chiefs. You can hate on the Chiefs, but you're going to have to face the Chiefs and Taylor. Hey, note to guys in the back, can you clip that moment in the video when he said the NFL is scripted and don't let him finish his sentence and then we'll just put a big headline up that says Freight Tech founder says NFL is scripted. Hey, you were at like, you were, I saw you were hanging out with the mascot. Like, check out this video here. What can we learn from the, uh, what can we learn from the Chiefs here? What can we learn in Freight from their performance? Yeah, so... 
What are you doing there anyway? Where was that? That was, uh, okay, so that was Bernie, and he's the mascot for the Heat, and he's a huge Chiefs fan, and I'm wearing all Chiefs gear, and he's like, let's go Chiefs, courtside at the game before the game, where the Miami Heat lost to the Celtics, unfortunately. Man, how do the Dolphins feel about it? How does Tua feel about what, that? What if we get the, that guy to come to the show? I think more mascots need to be at a log logistics events. I think that we, we, have a, we don't have enough of them. There are no football fans in Miami, just to let you know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. It's sort of like Los Angeles, too. There's, like, the only football fans are transplants, like, when I was out there. So in the cell, too, everyone's just, like, a college fan. It's very hard to find, like, actual NFL fans that want to talk about it a bunch. Maybe it's because we, we're stuck with the Titans over here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yep, and, and then two points to you, okay, about the, uh, the NFL and stuff like that. Number one, think about the Colosseum in Rome and why it was invented. It was invented to please the masses and distract them from the politicians stealing all the money and doing whatever they want to do. And the rich getting rich and the poor getting poorer. So that's what sports are. So if you're worried that sports are focused around money making or Taylor Swift or selling tickets or fake or whatever, you're watching a show, man. It's an entertainment purpose to distract you from like the poverty and the crime and the drugs and our foreign policy and whatnot. And I think that like we, sh we just need to take it for what it is and enjoy the show. And then the second thing is the Chiefs always win um, every year because it's not only about Mahomes. Yeah, we do have Joe Montana, number two, but it's teamwork, man. Look at how every year that team comes together and someone else shows up. Hey, hard to say, although, you know, I'm a, I'm a little biased here. You know, people are already bringing up that Mahomes versus Brady talk. I seem to recall Tom Brady beating the Chiefs in uh in the playoffs. So he's got that going from you still got a long, you still got a long road to go, but why do you think it's going to be a comeback? You said they had three comebacks. She said three comebacks. Why do you think the freight market's going to come back this year or after the election? Um, because the foundation of the United States is built on the comeback. You know, um, we had the great depression and world war two and the new deal brought us out of that. There's going to be something else that's going to kick up the consumerism and bring back the U S dollar. Um, and also, we have the strongest military in the world. So if they want to face us, then they're going to have to face us like the Chiefs, man. Uh, the reason we're going to have a comeback is because the United States has no direction but up. We're the leaders, not only because of our uh, monetary policy or military, but our insight in the world and freedom. So I know for a fact we're going to come back. And guess what? Whenever markets bounce back, trucking is first, baby. Sure, lifeblood of the economy, the telltale sign, the canary in the coal mine, whatever you want to call it. Now, you're about to go on stage and go talk on a, on a panel or, or have a discussion. What are you going to talk about up there? I skipped the panel. You skipped the panel? What would you have talked yeah. about? Oh, so uh, digitization and technology and automation in the back office of brokerages. That's what Zoom's mission is all day long. But um, I got some really good questions on the previous panel with uh, Parade and LoadSmart. Yeah. So I thought this this was more important because family first. Yeah, this is family first. What was the good question? Leave us with a good thought from that other panel. Yeah, so um, uh, the it was kind of like the digital broker versus the software company. And the digital broker was like, oh, you know um, – it's really all about uh, bifurcating your business and having a digital brokerage and the software. And I don't have any of the cool Silicon Valley investors, even though he had SoftBank on his cap table, which is out of Miami. And that's really cool. But um, I kind of backed up the the Silicon Valley guy. I said, hey, I'm from Northern California and the Silicon Valley is a kind of cool but what's even more cool is building a technology company with ebitda and a road to profit because if you have a road to profit then you're going to get return on your investment for your investors and that's the coolest thing in the world I, and so I, based I on you. digital brokers burning a ton of capital man i would much rather invest my money in um a SaaS business than uh only a marketplace 
Interesting. Interesting. Well, you enjoy the conference. You have the the biggest pitch of your life coming up. As you said, in a couple of days, you got a very important question to ask. So we're all praying for you. We're all praying for a yes. We're all hoping it comes together. And we're all looking forward to that wedding. By the way, did I tell you too, what the truck viewers, two guests that were on here, saw each other on the show? I asked early in the show if there was ever any truck stop love and romance. Two guests that were on the show found each other and are engaged now. Mustafa, can you believe I was, that? I, I was jelly about that because I wasn't the one that did it. But, I mean, two rings in one week ain't bad. Two rings in one week? Does, is, is, does the engagement ring look like a Chiefs Super Bowl ring? Oh, man, that would be awesome. <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like it does, but I'm sure it's cool nonetheless. Well, hey, congratulations to you. Congratulations to yours to be. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy that all Miami has to offer. And thanks again for those sneakers. Hey, thanks for the invite. And I'm sorry about the audio and like being in a conference room, but I really love what you guys are doing. And if you want to automate your back office brokers, get with Zoom. We got you. Get with Zoom. Mustafa got you. Take it easy, sir. Adios. Take care. All right. Meanwhile, take a look at this facility right here. Muhammad, I don't even know where this is. Do any of you know where this is? This looks obviously overseas based on that license plate. Muhammad Azir says, absolutely remarkable. The building design is a true testament to the amalgamation of ingenuity and artistry. The juxtaposition of the truck and the hard hat symbolize the harmonious interplay between technology and human effort in construction. It's a brilliant reflection of the modern world we live in, where innovation meets functionality. Truly awe-inspiring. Nice words, and I, hey, I can't disagree. Although it would suck to be like in the cab of, can you keep rolling that? It would suck to be in the, can you keep, yeah. It would suck to be in the cab of the truck because you don't get any windows. Like the design decision to make it a door, you got to be way up at the top floor to get a uh, window. Dr. Samin says, really why? It's a very uninspired ripoff of a truck and very easy to build design. Wow, what a hater. I don't know if that would be that easy to build. Look at the smokestacks on there. Look at the, uh, they, they turn those into great glass elevators. In fact, Dan Dunn says, and he's from Nikola. He says, not going to lie, but it looks like a Nikola Corporation Trey BEV. Yeah, sort of, but not really. I, maybe it's an, an Iveco because look at the smokestacks on there. Your BEV, I've been in one of these trays. They don't have smokestacks on them. Nonetheless, elevators. Yak Nuda says, great work. An eyesore for everybody to entertain a couple kids from an airplane. Well, and a bunch of big kids in supply chain on the ground. BM says, an ingenious solution that not only solves a practical problem, but also adds a cool visual element to the building's design. I have to agree. Speaking of, Justin Scott, his team built a new facility. I wonder if it looks like a gigantic truck. We'll find out. He's the vice president of operations over at Norton Transport. Justin, that wasn't your new facility, was it? No, but it looks pretty cool. That was interesting. I would love like a truck office like that, right? I mean, Craig Fuller, he loves uh, he loves trucks. He comes from Truck and Bloodline. Like if there's any chance of a company building one, maybe it would be Freightways. Hey, that's pretty neat. I don't know. I don't know about the window situation, though. It doesn't sound fun. Yeah, a little form over function, right? Like trucks, you want them to be functional, but yeah. they're like, you just have dark, like eight stories of dark rooms just to make that cab design work. No, no, not for me, but it was great. It looked awesome. Now, you guys know a thing or two about moving fleets around, but for those who haven't met Norton Transport before, what's sort of the elevator pitch on you guys? Well, I mean, for us, uh, you know, we started as a small company. We still consider ourselves a small company, but we started here locally in Ringgold, Georgia, um, you know, moving school buses for Bluebird, delivering them to final. Our our founder, Calvin Norton, uh, he, he worked on the assembly line, uh, delivered school buses on the weekends, and then he had a bright idea of, you know, I can uh, I can do this for a living. I can help Bluebird be more successful with their bus deliveries. And he founded Norton Transport. And, um, you know, for 25 years, you know, we've been growing. And um, now we've become a, a, a major player in the drive-away truck delivery industry. And uh, it's kind of neat to come from humble beginnings like that. Uh, I was around early on. Uh, took a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, came back in 2019, and we've just continued to grow from there. So, um, you know, we're we're doing big things, but we're doing them the same way that we started, and it's just by taking care of people and building relationships. There's there's that's all it is. There's no, uh, you know, there's no silver tongue for success. It's just <laughs> doing that. What what is unique or different about? Because a lot of people are hauling freight, they're bringing boxes around, but the freight you haul is actual big buses, as you mentioned. You move trucks around, other vehicles. What's unique about that versus more of like the generalized freight space? Well, that's it's just that. So the trucks are our freight. So when we go to shows and we're trying to you know pitch what we do, especially to drivers, you know, 
it's it's just our own little niche outside of the norm. So the trucks themselves are our freight. You know, we deliver a lot of commercial class eight trucks, three and four trucks at a time, piggyback, stacked one on top of each other. Uh, and then, of course, you know, trucks that have to get to dealers, that have to get to final, uh, somebody's got to get them there. And, you know, when you're driving down the road, you see these car haulers with, you know, you know, however many cars on the back of them. Uh, well, they're going to the dealers where they need to go. Well, trucks have to get there, too. And somebody's got to get them there. So that's where we come in. And unfortunately, they don't fit on those car haulers. So most of the time they're driven or piggyback. Wow. You got to use a lot of like specialized equipment for for big semis versus like, because everyone's seen the car hauler where you have like the cars stacked, right? You got like the two layers of cars. Yeah. What does a car hauler for like uh, a couple semi trucks look like? Well, it's just equipment that that connects the trucks together. We call them saddles. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you've you know ever been driving down the road and you look and I think there's like a video YouTube clip like a truck pulling a truck pulling another truck and it <laughs> got went went a little viral but that's us so it's uh, basically the trucks are piggybacked on top of each other they're not on a trailer or anything like that they use specialized saddles to connect the trucks together uh, it could be mounted to the frame it could be mounted to the fifth wheel just depending on the specs of the truck and the easiest way and safest way to be able to connect them together. Well, you know, on, on this show, it's been a tough year, tough couple of years in freight. So we've had to cover a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of L's. So I'm happy today to cover a W with you guys. You you hit a $100 million revenue milestone in 2023. First off, a little cowbell. Congratulations on that. Okay. That, that's, how, how are y'all winning cowbell. out there? You said it's there's no secret sauce. There's no silver tongue. It's really just good service and probably good decision making on operations part too. Yeah, I mean, uh, we there's a lot of things I think that's gone into the growth. Um, number one is, you know, technology. A lot of the folks that are in our industry um, haven't necessarily adapted or changed to the ever-growing needs of technology, especially in the truck delivery space. So uh, we've been forward thinkers in that space, uh, but not at the expense of people. So when you look at how we've grown, you know, when I started uh, not that long ago, you know, there was... 15 people in the office. Now we've got over a hundred people in the office. Um, so we've grown in technology, but we haven't grown at the expense of people. So we pair the two together nicely. And so I think for us, uh, you see service. So customers appreciate the service drivers. When you think about, you know, servicing our drivers, we're in an industry that uh, drivers can look at and be like, wow, that's interesting. I want to try it. I've, 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 you know, I've moved freight this long or I've done this, I've done that. What, what is this? And so that can be kind of new and exciting for the drivers. Uh, the flexibility of it, you know, our lanes are, are everywhere and they go all over. So when you think about drivers, they get to drive pretty much a brand new truck every trip they take. And, you know, for somebody that loves trucking, that's pretty damn neat. Uh, so they get to drive a new truck every time they get in a truck, a brand new truck. Uh, and then they're seeing parts of the country they may have never seen just doing their standard freight route. So um, it can be, you know, it's pretty easy to recruit drivers when you think about it like that. How do you keep during growth like this? How do you keep the identity and the DNA of Norton as you expand and you're bringing on a lot more team members than you had before you started? Well, that's probably the toughest thing to do. But, um, you know, luckily we've got, you know, our founder, Calvin, he's still in the office. You know, he still preaches his message every single day about taking care of the drivers. And that's the foundation that we built the success on. That's, that's the identity is, is how do we take care of our drivers so that we can grow. And, and at the end of the day, that's what we're still doing. And we're doing so more and more than we ever have. Uh, and so I think making sure that we've got, you know, a great dispatch team that can build great relationships with our drivers. Uh, we're paying them the type of money uh, that they should be earning. Uh, and then some, um, but I think it just boils down to take care of your drivers and success will come from that. And we've done that. And well, now you have this new facility. Tell us about it. Where is it at? And what's it going to do for y'all? Well, so, uh, San Antonio, it's a huge hub for us. Uh, obviously there's lots of manufacturers in Mexico that build trucks. And so we, we take those trucks, pick those up from the Laredo and San Antonio is just a major hub for us. So when you think about, uh, that space, investing heavily in that space uh, is, is huge for us because that's where a lot of our volume comes from. So we can have a great facility for our drivers. 
Um, we can have a great facility to showcase to our customers. We can have more room. You know, when you think about bringing the trucks that are coming from the border every day, that's a lot of trucks. That's a lot of volume. So we need extra space to be able to accommodate that. Since you're kind of specialized, obviously moving trucks and vehicles around as straight, what's the market like for you guys? What dictates it? Is it is it new truck orders? How do, how does that drive your marketplace? Yeah, it's it's mostly new truck orders, but for us, um, you know, we've grown a lot, so we've taken over a lot of market share. And as we continue to grow, um, you know, the orders may have been there, but we may not have been as big of a player in that. And so even if the orders drop off a little bit because of some of the unfortunate circumstances that we've seen in the freight market, we're still taking on more because we've grown our market share. So for us, um, things are great. Things are continue to be good. We looking at the outlooks for this year uh, and we're, you know, we're set up to have an even better year than we did last year. So I think for us, it's just doing some of the things foundationally that I said, you know, got us here. And that's been able to increase our market share. That's showing, hey, you know, Northern Transport's a huge player in the game and they're not going anywhere. Any, any headwinds that truck people that ship trucks, people on the on the on the other side of it, the shippers need to worry about? Um, as far as hiccups in the industry? Yeah, any hiccups they should worry about in 2024? What should be what should we be aware of when we're looking to get our vehicles moved? Um, well, for us, I mean, it's 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 good as it has been. I mean, there's some supply chain issues that we're seeing in the industry, uh, but I think that's with any industry. I mean, that's nothing changed. People always talk about, uh, you know, well, the pandemic and supply chain, and of course, that was a hurdle that we all had to deal with. But supply chain issues have been going on for a long time. So um, there's volatility with any manufacturing industry. But um, for us, you know, truck orders are up. And uh, we're set to deliver them. So folks that are waiting on trucks, you know, get ready because they're coming. Well, hey, people that uh, people want to connect with Norton, they want to use your service. Maybe they're in San Antonio. They need a new facility. Where do I send them to? Hey, you can just send them to www.nortontransport.com. Um, you know, for us, you know, they can get in contact. Uh, you know, they can do a quote request. It goes directly to our sales team. Uh, if you've got drivers that are looking to, you know, do the, you know, change in the, you know, do something a little bit more flexible or, or get a new start uh, in the industry, then they can visit our website and apply to drive. But for the most part, you can contact any of our sales reps directly through our website. And of course our drivers are all over. So we're not just concentrated in San Antonio. That was a huge expansion for us, but uh, you know, we have over 1500 drivers throughout the United States and Canada. So, um, you know, if anybody has trucks that need delivering, we can move them all over. Justin, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations on your growth and the growth of Norton. Thanks for coming on the show. Happy Valentine's Day. All right. Take care. Hey, you too. And that stat about the Valentine's, there's no way that that's correct. Which one? 20% finding love at a truck stop? No, the, the amount people spend on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. How much do you spend? It's a lot more than that. How, what, how much? Than that, I can tell you that. Just hundreds of dollars, man. He, you see, you're a good Valentine to have. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, dude. Take, appreciate it. Take care. All right. Let's tip the band. Dynamic Logistics gives you total control of your entire shipping operations, live location and status updates every 15 minutes, and the ability to combine multiple orders into a single load, leading to significant savings. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an X. Elsewhere. All right, and up next, a man who spends well more than $185 every Valentine's Day. It's Ryan Schreiber, the chief growth officer at Metaphora. Ryan, you know, it, Valentine's is easy for you. You always get to wear red because of the beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're, you're excited for the holiday? I have nothing else to say about that. You're just right. Yeah. Did you $185 this Valentine's Day, did you spend more or less? I have currently spent less, but I will be spending more. We're going to this uh, sushi place in Austin that's like really expensive. So, yeah, well, I mean, like even like chilies these days is expensive. You'd be spending one hundred eighty-six dollars like, if you were. Yeah, those like, baby back ribs. You know, I mean, <sighs> they're not messing it, around. Is it romantic to go for like the the, the two for meals on like a Valentine's Day? I mean, I would say yes. Like, I mean, 
realistically, like what brings you closer than sharing, you know, an app, your own yeah. entree and then a dessert? Did, did you did you find love in this industry? Do, do a lot of people find love in this industry? The truck drivers no. are saying it's difficult. You know, it depends on where you were. I know a lot of Coyotians who, you know, uh, linked up with other Coyotians for long term. Um, some of the folks that that uh, I was with at Echo uh, ended up with other people from Echo, but th- most of those seemed to have ended in tragedy. So I think it kind of no. depends on on the dynamics of the workplace and how how much staying power there was. But but the ones that have worked, most of them, somebody has gotten at least out of you know out of trucking operations or brokerage operations into some other thing you know that have gotten into staffing or into technology or something if they've stayed in if they've stayed in industry or they've just gotten out of the industry in general which like we call those the lucky ones around here what what's your uh, what's your love advice for like the the, the young freight broker on the make <laughs> don't don't have an offense romance <laughs> Is probably yeah. the best. It's probably the best. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how hot you think the other person is. It's like it's definitely a terrible idea. No, no. I would say too. Like when you're younger, you you probably have more superficial thoughts. But when you get to a certain age, and you're like, I want to have kids. I want to settle down. I want to get married. Like this from someone who's been married for over ten years now. Like you got to value the really. It's almost like picking a good carrier partner, right? Or picking a good tech partner. They got to represent some of the real fundamental ideals, not just like the flashy yeah. graphic, not the flashy logo. Like deep down, like how you want to race. You don't have to agree on on like nearly anything that much. You just have to not like want to kill each other, respect each other, love each other, and have strong fundamentals. Yeah, you got to have a good freight mix in your marriage. You got to have a good freight mix in your marriage. You know, you put up a post about this. You said you're if you're an experienced carrier rep interviewing for a job or maybe even a date, ask about their freight mix. Why would I want to ask about their freight mix? Why do I care? This is a new job. Maybe it's a whole new ecosystem I'm going in. Well, it is, and it's really just kind of advice. It, it's it came from a conversation I was having with a buddy of mine about just kind of like hiring in general, and like. Actually, I, this this was totally unintentional because it is really about making a good match, right? And and making a good match is all about what the expectations are of the people going into that relationship, which which an employment relationship is a relationship, right? And so, just in my experience of having hired, uh, you know, a lot of carrier reps myself previously, you know, I've hired, you know, a few hundred people in my career. Um, and, and some, some of them were experienced carrier reps. Some of them were net new folks, like really just getting on the same page about expectations. And, and often I think that the biggest challenge, uh, particularly around hiring experienced carrier sales reps is, um, the expectations of the employer that that carrier book is going to be transferable and somebody will be able to go from booking, you know, $75,000 uh, a month in margin or, or something like that. To, to doing the same thing at their business um, when the freight mix is the biggest thing. And then on the other side, like carrier, the carrier rep has a, has the same expectation. Hey, I was able to do this at my last business. I should be able to do this at this business. And, um, uh, and, and therefore like I'll make this amount of money. And the reality is like most of the time those companies get three months down the line and the biggest miss is freight mix and, and what the relevance was of the, of the network that the rep had and, and the freight available to that rep on the board at uh, their new company important points. Now, I got to ask you, you mentioned you've hired a ton of people and we're both on LinkedIn. We both see a lot of friends and acquaintances throughout the industry mm-hmm. have lost jobs recently. What do you look for when you're hiring someone? Let's give some advice to the, to the job seekers out there first. So you got to figure out about that freight mix, but what are you looking for? How, how should they be presenting themselves? So <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm kind of a, a strange person when I, when I hire like, um, and so I might be the I'm, I might not always be the best paradigm. I'll ask all kinds of crazy questions, like how many piano tuners are there? Because I just like to see how people think about things. But what's what's I the first the, song on Deja? You know, what brand new song yeah, do you like? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's your favorite brand new song? And have you listened to Flying at Tree Level? And if not, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, um, which will cut you and I will come back to later. So, you know, I think uh, the most important piece of advice that I give folks when they're looking for roles um or or when they're when they are the hiring manager is try and move beyond sort of like the the specifics of like checking the box of whether or not this person fits the role and i don't mean figure out if you would have a beer with this person or take them out on valentine's day the kind of the key is like what makes this person tick and so a lot of times i will give advice to job seekers that says hey 
think backwards. What's the next thing you want to do after this job, right? Mm. What's that next thing you want to do? Not what's the next job. Not I want to go from like carrier rep two to carrier rep four. Not I want to go to be like VP of sales. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what are the activities that you like and that you don't like? And so what's the job after this job? And then what are the things that are holding you back from getting that job right now? What are the skills? What's the, what's the, 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 the network that you need? Um, and then be able to articulate that uh, uh, to, in, to the other company because you need to be interviewing the other. I get it. You need a job. Like I'm the guy who came out of you know, graduate school and just needed a job and fell backwards into logistics. Like I remember how terrible that was. I'm, I'm burned by that to this day about like how badly I needed a job. So I get it. You need a job at the same time. You don't want to find yourself in the situation again in three months, six months, nine months, 10 months through no fault of your own because it was a bad marriage. Right. And so really think about what do you need from a company to help you get where you want to go and vet them for that as much as, um, as much as, as much as they're vetting that for you, because people say they want growth, but they can't be more specific than that. And that does two things. It helps make sure that you made a good match and it sets you apart from other candidates because you, you are insightful about what you want. You're insightful about the job you are, and, and you're proving or showing to the target company that you've put in the work for yourself and your career. And that that should translate to the work that you'll put into, um, you know, the role once you, once you land at the company. All good points. All good points. I've had freight sales jobs and, and you're right too. Like those are the kind of things that can last wrong fit. It can last not wrong fit, wrong market, whatever. It can last mm -hmm. nine to 12 months. You can't hide from yeah. your stat on the back of that baseball card. It's right there in the CDM, yeah. your revenue. And I guarantee you after nine months, if you're not making money, you might be getting an email from your, your manager if you're not close to that fate. But let's talk about winners, right? We focus so much on like on, on negative stuff. What is, what's like, for example, RxO, what is RxO doing right? What do you like that you see from them? I, I don't think RxO gets enough credit. Like really, which I, I think is a is is an interest. It may may be a bit of a hot take, um, but I think even going back to the XBO days, you know, they obviously they did a lot of roll ups, and then they sort of they sort of operated maybe outside of the view of a lot of the logisticians, right? I mean, shippers certainly know very much who they are and that speaks to their marketing strategy. And I think they've done a good job there, but I don't know that they get enough credit from inside, inside the industry from their peers. And I, what, what really has set RxO apart, um, you know, in, in my, for my purview uh, is, you know, they focus on creating a flywheel that is, you know, their operating model is tuned to what needs to get done. Their technology is really focused on enabling users to do their job more efficiently, more effectively, creating a technology ecosystem that, that doesn't create additional work unnecessarily on accident, which is something I can come back to if you want to. And then, and then data at the center of everything, right? So how are they getting, how are they getting data, not just user input data, but like observed observed behavior type data and then using that to do you know continuous improvement right like it, the job is never done and i think that often companies i don't even just think i've seen this happen over and over and over again from our purview here at metaphora that like companies often think like i'm going to get this done and then it's done when it relates to technology or data or some sort of organizational change and that's just not the case yeah, buying the tech isn't really the job. You got to deploy it and you have to have the staff use it. The longest process shouldn't be some team that operations never meets, right? Who's sitting there mm -hmm. going back and forth, arguing over how many seats they're going to have in a SaaS contract. And then we both know this. A lot of times companies will bring this stuff on and then there's like zero onboarding. Zero yeah, onboarding. Right. And you'll like a mm -hmm. year later, two years, someone will be doing the budget and they'll be like, what is this recurring charge? And nobody knows what the hell it is. So, I mean, RxO, the, a lot of these answers in supply chain are so easy, too. It's like they're actually using the data and they're making decisions based around it. They're not just yeah. having mm -hmm. one person buy the seat so they can say they have it. And they're not just dumping it on a person to, like, make the person figure out what to do with the data, right? They're enabling users. They're presenting users back with information that is useful to making the right decision, not just saying, here's a bunch of data points, figure it out, right? Because this is how brokerage has always been done. But Dooner, you talked about kind of like the onboarding piece of it. The biggest, unfortunately, I hate to be the person who says this, but because there is, there is technology out there that isn't great or that, it, or, that, or that doesn't really solve a problem. I'm the first person to admit that. 
But more often than not, the reason the technology fails at these businesses is it's the company's fault. I mean, they, they want to blame the technology vendor, but it is the company's fault because they made a bad choice because they didn't support, you know, implementation or change management. They just, and, they, and, or they didn't vet the vendor for how the vendor could or would support them in those ways. Right. And so that's a huge, huge, huge part of what makes it successful. And a lot of times they, they make these technology decisions discreet from every other decision they've made. And so they get a situation where, tools don't or can't work together to drive the improvement they want, right? Because it's a, you know, your business is kind of like a living, breathing thing. And when you make a change somewhere, it has impact other places. You don't get the full ROI you want because you shoved some little thing in here without thinking about the implications to the overall system. And that's honestly, it's not, you said it before, it's not hard. That's the kind of the funny thing about it. A lot of this isn't hard it's just about taking the right approach to it, having a thoughtful approach to it, which is more than anything what we work with our customers on. Like the answer is in hand, it's all about the process. Mm. Hey, uh, by the way, I can't help but notice my guest in the green room, the next guest coming on is wearing an Apple Vision Pro. You've probably seen at least a little bit about this. Do you think mixed reality is gonna have a place in supply chain? And if soon, sooner than later. I mean, it already does really like, I mean, you see it in, 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 in probably more in manufacturing than you see at other places. Right. I mean, with, um, kind of like co-pilot type technology where like you've seen this on wind turbines where somebody's wearing a, you know, wearing, um, a mixed reality, uh, headset to help, you know, identify, um, kind of, or help them along with, with, with making repairs. I think you, you will, the technology has to evolve. Look, like, yeah. I mean, right. The technology has to evolve, but when you think about, what are some of the biggest challenges that physical facilities deal with when it comes to shipping and receiving? It's inventory control and management, right? I mean, there's so many companies out there that are trying to help with exactly that problem. Is this the right product getting loaded onto the truck? You know, and all of that goes all the way back to, is this the right product that was shipped inbound? Was this the right product? Was this pro where was this product stored and where was, when was it stored and, and how do I get access to it? And then was it the right product that was picked and packed? And that's even more important, you know, when you think about kind of case picking, but that's true even when you're pulling a whole pallet out with a forklift. And so a lot of these are technologies are maybe more reactive to, um, uh, to, uh, you know, to that solution. So I think, I think you'll see more of it. I mean, obviously the way it exists today, it, it's a little bit bulky. It, it's going to get in the way, but, but all of those things I think are, are certainly in hand. It's a, it's a question of timeline. How long will it take? And I think some of these solutions, uh, are, are going to certainly take longer than others. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's no question that you will see mixed reality and, and then artificial intelligence, you know, kind of helping along the route. Yeah, they're selling it to consumer, but there's definitely a lot of uh, commercial properties here. Of Obviously, course. they've got to get the price down. Now, before I let you go, sort of lightning answer, what aspect of AI will make the biggest difference in supply chain this year? Oh, natural language processing, like without a, without a doubt. I mean, there's oh, yeah. a lot of... There's a lot of buzz about generative AI. You know, my last company in 2016, we started a digital brokerage applying natural language processing. So, you know, we were early on that trend and admittedly like, so I'm a little bit biased there. But I wrote an article for the TIA back in November, their 3PL Perspectives magazine that makes the case that, that natural language processing is without a doubt the, um, the number one thing that will make a difference uh, this year. And that's, it, there are applications of NLP beyond chat. So, you know, you said a rapid answer. I won't go into all of that, but beyond the chat, beyond the phone calls, there are lots of applications of natural language processing. The benefit is it doesn't require adoption in the same way that a lot of other technologies do. So without a doubt, natural language processing is already making a difference and will, will continue to be the AI that makes the biggest difference this year. Very, very strong words, very strong words on that one. Now people want to reach out to you. They want to talk about dating. They want to talk about AI. They want to talk about metaphor. Where do I send them to Ryan? They want to talk about brand new, brand um, new, you know, or post grunge core. Yeah. So if you want to talk about the, if you want to talk about music, text me, but if you, uh, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, that's usually the best place to find me. Ryan B. Schreiber on LinkedIn. I've sparingly use, uh, uh, Twitter underscore user prime. But, uh, you know, just hit me up on uh, wherever you find me. Also, just like go to whatever trade show and I'm probably there. Well, I like good to, to see you. Time. Good to see you, sir. Have a very happy Valentine's Day. You too, buddy. Take care. Always good. Always good to see Ryan Schreiber. Although we didn't get a peanut butter and jelly demonstration this time. I forgot to ask. All right. Let's see. Who's at fault here? Let's take a look.
we got a sedan. It pulls in front of this truck that's in the right lane, and we're looking through the dash cam of another truck, and it looks like the sedan rapidly stopped, and this truck did not, so we so we have a little bit of a collision here. Who's at fault? Well, Garrett M says, Sedan asked for death, but Semi showed some mercy. Mr. Grin said, there is no fault, but there is a crime. The crime is intentionally causing an accident in order to, to defraud the insurance company. Mike said, well, dr the guy driving the car is a self-centered idiot. Now to place fault. As what the driver of the car did could be considered criminal, the truck driver is at fault for the accident. As a professional driver, you have to do everything you can to prevent an accident. He clearly didn't in that situation. Ronan Research said, this is like Clipsfield Semi of Leo's getting altercations. Unless you have more context, it's tough to read. Normally, this would be assured clear distance and leaving the scene, but slamming on brakes for no apparent reason in the fast lane changes the issue. Trucker Boss says, hate to say it, but the driver. He means the driver of the truck. Valerie says the car driver was being an ass, that stupid brake checker. And Dave Rosendale says, F-A-F-O, truck is at fault. All right. Let's get Adrian Garcia on here. Let's, let's talk to a man inside a man. Oh, look, we're looking at, like, his avatar. He's a CEO at Gateco, and he's been completely digitized. What's up, Adrian? You look um a little uncanny, but at the same time, I can tell who you are. You like my persona? I like your persona. How do you like, how do you personify yourself? Because uh, like everyone's seeing these things, they go on your face. So how is it seeing who you are? Yeah, so when you do the setup, you scan your face, you you put the headset and then you look around and it'll create a 3D scan. Man, so you guys, first of all, well, let's talk, let's, well, I'm going to get into this headset because that's going to be most of the conversation. But before we get there, so people know who you are, what's the elevator on GateGo? And I think we have a video too that kind of shows what they do. Yeah, so GateGo is a yard management system for trailer yards. And it's kind of like a fast pass for checking in and checking out at the gate of warehouses and drop yards. Very cool. So what's happening in the video that we're watching? So this is our computer vision we are able to read the truck and trailer number for when it arrives. And this is the fully automated solution, but you can also use the check-in form to replace a clipboard. It just depends on what the warehouse wants to use. Very, very neat. Now, you know a thing or two about guard shacks, and your company has posted a bunch of some of your favorites. I pulled my favorite ones, but let's, let's take a look at them here. Where was this one? This looks like a wine company or something. Yeah, I think it's a wire company. They they make wire and just they like a, one of those coils. Very cool. Who we got next? Oh, look at that! I love that. You can get one of those at like uh, Academy Sports. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, probably a guard there to check in cars, I guess. Checking guards. Now, who we got next? We got this igloo one. This one is my favorite. This is like the clear out winner. Is this actually at the igloo facility? Yeah, there's a few pictures of them out there. These are the igloo side. This one and the Amazon one are my favorite. Very, very cool. And what's the last one we got here? Oh, that guy, is that a dummy? That's not even a real person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just like some GTA or some video game. Very, very. Now, what, hey, what are you like? What are you seeing out of those goggles right now? Yeah, so right now I have what the truck here. I have Twitter on this side, YouTube, and Safari. So I have a few tabs open, and I can go full immersive, and and I can be in the middle of a desert. You could be a bit very, very. Well, so you can just like change the complete. I saw, yeah, I saw a person pooping, and they like they were like kind of in that desert. So they were like in the Grand Canyon or something. Yeah, you turn this little knob and you can change the scenes and I can be on the moon. It's, it's pretty cool. I think it's worth it. How, how do they, like, I can't, you know, like in the ads, it looks like the eyes are super clear, like the person's eyes in the ad, but I don't really see your virtual eyes. Yeah, I think a, a person or a face needs to be in front of me so they can see my eyes. But yeah, it's not, you can't see it super well. Now, what are your impressions of the Apple Vision Pro so far? And, and why did you and your team get a couple of these? So, I mean, I wanted to try this technology. I'm, I'm always trying uh, new tech, so I wanted to check it out. But um, yeah, we got one and we had the, our booth and manifest and people tried them on. Did that attract yeah, a video of us at, at manifest? Actually, okay. Apple stopped by our booth and they want us to build on Swift. So we might talk to their design team to, to build something cool.
So, well, well, did, did, so first of all, this is great marketing. I, I said it's for some of my favorite conference marketing I've seen. The device had just dropped. You and your team already have a pair at the booth. You got goofballs like Reed throwing it on his face mm -hmm. over here. Uh, did you get any leads from this? Did, did the marketing work? Did you, did you attract yeah, more people did, to the booth than you thought? We're already talking to a few companies from, from the, the event, and it was a great turnout. Now, so you look in this thing, and you got to keep thinking, like, how does this apply to what we do. Can we make software for this? Can this work in supply chain? What are your thoughts and impressions so far? What are the What's the potential of this device now and in the future in the context of what we all do? Yeah, so right now the price points is a bit far for uh, big adoption, but it is certainly great to to be immersed in all the content that's, that's coming out from, from Apple. Uh, it's just super great. Like you can see soccer games from, from anywhere, but for, for the industry, I mean, product for being more productive and it, it makes work working more fun, right? You have more windows open, you don't need to buy a lot of monitors. So it's still the technology, um, it's not closed, but you have some of the meta headsets that, that are a lot more affordable. So Ryan mentioned something interesting. He's like, yeah, you could look at sort of wind turbines and see if something is wrong and see the direction. Obviously, within warehouses, if you get the, the visual processing good enough, like I saw they, I saw a video of someone was in a grocery store and they were showing like how they could use it. And they were, they were still using Notepad and like they had to move their hands and it seemed kind of janky. And I'm like, but if they could make it so the visual right there could just start identifying products on your list right within there, it could have a map of the grocery store built into it, it could do some calorie counts, it could even have your recipes and help you find some stuff. Like that on the consumer level is great, but then you could easily apply that to a warehouse, right? Finding inventory. Um, take a look at these autonomous, from ArcBest, take a look at these autonomous uh, tractors that I got a picture. The, yeah, I was going to show this to Ryan, I'll show them to Adrian. Have you seen these things? ArcBest just put out these fully autonomous forklifts. You could control those with your eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a manifest. I was talking to a few companies that do kind of remote forklifts and remote uh, yard trucks. So you you can have uh, remote operators operating them, same same as you can with at the gate, right? Have doing check-ins and checkouts with remote operators. Are, are you wearing this thing like all, like what does it feel like? Some people have said <laughs> it's heavy. I've noticed that you have the dual band on, not the single band. Yeah, I mean, people say it's heavy and it's uncomfortable. I don't think it's that heavy and it's not that uncomfortable. The only downside is is the apps. There, there isn't that many apps and it's it's an early product, so it makes sense. But over time, I mean, we'll see a lot more apps and a lot a, mo a lot more immersive experiences like, like at the grocery store or even for warehouse picking or uh, a lot of things. Yeah, this is pretty, pretty, pretty. Could you see like a not maybe not the thirty five hundred dollar version, but could you see like a freight the freight broker of the future actually wearing this thing and and doing their day and, and booking loads while it's on their face? Yeah, you can definitely do that now, and you can have different tabs. You can be sending emails on one side, sending uh, being uh, brokering loads on another. So they're 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 great. What's the biggest drawback? We saw Zuckerberg. Now, maybe this is your Zuckerberg clapback. We saw Zuck, he filmed a video of himself. And um, a lot of people said it was low production, but I think that's just the camera on the Quest 3 because he was like, yeah, it's like my, like my assistant is filming me on his own Quest 3. But on that, he, he was like, look, we've been around for 10 more years doing this type of product. It's, it's better for video games. He was, it's uh, seven times cheaper, this, that, and the other thing. What's your clapback to Zuck? Yeah, I mean... I don't think they compare too much. Just the the qual the resolution on them is way better. The hand uh, feedback, the being able to just see the world around you, and it yes, like the Quest has been around for longer. They have more apps and more games. Uh, but when Apple starts something, they they don't mess around. So uh, they're they're really going to go into uh, deep with the technology. Adrian, is this your first VR headset? Do you do you own like a Quest Two? Have you used like the PSVR or anything like that? I got one a very long time ago, and, and I stopped using it. My, I tried my, my friend's Quest, and, and it's pretty cool for games, um, but you're not going to go to a coffee shop and, and wear one for work and have a lot of screens and, and work. So just the way it pairs to your computer, the way it works, it's just very dialed. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because Zuckerberg, he mentioned that. He's like, look, this isn't really designed for gaming. There's no games for it. Apple is not very good at gaming. He said you can wear this doing your, your you can wear the Quest doing your your Xbox. But 
I know everyone who's bought one of these for gaming, myself included, not the Apple Vision Pro, but a VR headset. What happens is you play like a couple games in it and then it ends up in a drawer because it's easier just to sit there with the controller and no stupid mask on your face. And then I can also answer my phone and, and communicate with everybody. So maybe it's smart for Apple to not go after that gamer market since gamers have traditionally been incredibly, they've been trying to sell game. I'm a gamer myself. They've been trying to sell us VR since the 90s and it's never really taken off in home context. Yeah, until now, I think I think this is game changer, and you have to try it. You go like you can go to the Apple Store and get a demo, and it's it's pretty crazy the the video that that they show you and and where it's gonna get there with all the content that they're making. So I mean, you're you're a tech guy. GateGo uses uses tech. Is this the tech you're most excited about now, or is, or is there something else out there that you really like? Uh, well, automated yards is is pretty cool. Um, What's good in automated yards? <laughs> Well, being able to, if, if you own these properties or yards, being able to set them up and, and start renting them out, you're seeing truck parking club or, or, or a marketplace out there, and, and uh, you just have a lot that's generating, generating money and running it with GateGo. Mother Trucker News, Alex Mai, he said something interesting on the show last time he was on here. He was talking about autonomous vehicles and sort of the existential dread that drivers have for that. And he's like, that's not 10 years, that's 10 years or, or whatever off. But he said the, the, the biggest impact he thinks that it'll have on drivers are those autonomous yard dogs, because a lot of drivers start out by moving the yard trucks around. Do you think this will like fundamentally change like the breeding pool of drivers by having autonomous vehicles or will it create a sort of new category of yard manager? Yeah, I mean, there are some autonomous yard trucks out there. And I mean, having it organize all the trailers and move them around the yard uh, can be can be useful. And, and look, it's not full, I still think uh, fully auto automated trucks on the road is, is, is quite a quiet out. So um, but but for close environments like the yards, it can work great. Is it safe to drive in the Apple Vision Pro? I saw someone in a Cybertruck. No, I don't think we want to put those on truck drivers. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we don't want to have them on. I, I did uh, wear one while, while flying, so uh, that was pretty... <laughs> were, did that give you... Were you able to use, like, any special, like, uh, GPS or meters or anything? Like, are there any apps for flying with it? No, not, not yet, but I did uh, put put a, uh, a show for a little bit of... Um, there's an Apple TV show... Um, about the war and pretty, pretty cool. How do movies look on that? Does it really look like you're in a movie theater? For those of us who haven't like worn one, we're probably trying to just sort of visual, like how big is the screen? Uh, you can make it small or you can make it really big and you can put it really far or very close. And there's some immersive videos where it looks 3D. So there's one where Alicia Keys is, is singing and she's right in front of you, or there's a, a, like animals near, near you. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Have you filmed any content with it? Supposedly it can make sort of like that spatial video content. Have you done it and like watched it back? Is it is it pretty wild through the headset? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, at Manifest, I shot a few immersive videos and, and as I've been using it, I've been... Like the only reason I would like have any urgency to get one right now as cool as they sound, one, because of the cost, but like... My kids are growing so fast. They're seven and nine, my boys. Now, if I could record like immersive video of them now, I'd be able to look at that for the rest of my life. But if I don't do it now, they're going to grow too quick. Yeah, and I think you can even record it from, from the new iPhone. Uh, and you can do film spatial videos, and then you can watch them on the headset later. So it, it, it does take you back to uh, when you took that, that video or photo. Well, exciting. So at first, all you need is the iPhone. I don't actually need the, the whole headset. Now, we're, we're running short on time here. So people who want to – what what is exciting about Geico? What's coming up this year? Yeah, we're rolling out a ton of features this year. Uh, we, we're we uh, rolling out our fully automated solution at Yards, and we're also adding more features. So, for example, yard tasking within the yard, being able for yard drivers to, to look at the tasks and move trailers – uh, so we have a, a lot of cool features coming out, and if they want to book a demo, they can go to gategoio slash demo or, or just go on our website and send us a message. What do you think about San Francisco and society's feel, feel, feelings about, or maybe these are their failings? Take a look at this Waymo video. Over the weekend, someone attacked a Waymo autonomous truck. They set it on fire. Apparently, one had hit a cyclist a week before. There was that big pedestrian one that got them in big trouble a few months ago. What do you think about the dark side of tech? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not cool to to vandalize, and and I mean, Waymo's trying out doing doing something cool, trying to automate the the uh, ride share within the city. So I, I don't think it's cool to to burn up a car, but I mean, some people might be concerned and and just want to <laughs> go crazy. So I don't know if I'd want to wear the, my Apple Vision Pro around uh, that particular. Mob, they seem a little, they seem a little angry about uh, about technology. So it's just wild, wild. Well, hey, Adrian, how do people go learn more? How do they learn more about Gateco? How do they connect with you? Yeah, they can shoot me a message on on X or on Gateco. Go go to our website and uh, book a demo. Well, hey, go enjoy that headset. I'll go have to get myself a demo or run into you in an airplane and and throw one on my head. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for telling us about this exciting new product. Definitely. Take care. And all you have a very happy Valentine's Day. Hey, good luck to Mustafa out there. He said he's got that important question this week. We're all praying for you, buddy. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find the show at FW What the Truck. If you want to hear it on audio, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Look up What the Truck. You want to watch the video, you can either live stream it on Freightways' numerous social channels, or you can find all these shows on demand on Freightways' YouTube channel. An entire playlist of What the Truck comes straight to your eardrums. Take care. Don't be a stranger.